passes taken by Randall. Bryant ahead with seven seconds. Clarkson. No. The Lakers are going to win it. The Lakers are going to win it. What a performance. What an exit for number 24. You couldn't have written this. Rooted and established. Yo, yo, yo. Um, cool. So, what am I doing here? Basically, there's a lot that has happened in my life over the last year. And I knew that I wanted to just put something out there to kind of just talk about the journey and all the things that have happened. Um, I guess where, like, especially for those that say, like, have me on Instagram, you just see highlights um and it can be easy to assume that like whatever the things that people are doing like if someone's achieved something that has been a very smooth process because they've just gone from like one success to the other and that's all you see on like their timeline um but yeah i just wanted to just talk about um the journey from putting on a show for my 24th birthday in front of 120 plus people um, putting out my first book getting engaged um, graduating with a first like there's been a lot of things that God has just been able to bless me with um, and I want to talk about it so this is that um, I don't want it to be a thing where like my intention is not to just speak and just say oh my gosh like look at me but I, like my intention is to speak honestly and openly about like what this the last year has been like for me and hopefully like you never know like I think we can be really encouraged by hearing um the testimonies that other people have to share and whatnot and yeah that's 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 the heart behind this so like I don't want it to come across the wrong way that like I'm just being mad arrogant and just saying like look how amazing my life has been over the last year like that's it's not that so yes um I guess I can start with my birthday show so I was invited to perform at my friend's festival gig. Um, his name is George and his brother is Jamie. They actually are on the podcast. Um, there's an episode that I did with them. And yeah, so they invited me to the festival and I was meant to perform as TSK. Um, I had got together like some of my musician friends. So I had a band and singers and they'd given us like a 40 minute slot. So this was like a full on like the stage is yours so i was proper gassed at the opportunity um at the prospect that the opportunity had so we had been rehearsing um for about a month to be honest and i think even myself before that there'd maybe been like a couple of weeks that i put into just like thinking about like how i wanted the set to look and feel and stuff like that um and everyone had put in like a serious shift um in terms of rehearsals um during that time, one of my friends actually got engaged. Um, they were both there. They were both part of like the team. And then um, the following day, we were at rehearsals. So like everyone had really put in an effort um, to try and get like their parts nailed and all that. Um, actually, before I even carry on, I'm outside. I'm in my garden. So if there's wind, or if you hear like droplets in the background, um, that's literally my garden. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so we're rehearsing, everything's good, everything's good. 
sounding nice. Then when it came to the weekend before the festival, I actually caught COVID and it wiped me out. Like I, I that was the first time that I caught COVID. And so, um, yeah, it literally felt like I had an extra kilogram on my limbs, like I couldn't move at all. So there was no way that, I mean, to be honest, to be honest I think even at that point, like it was actually a law, like you couldn't go out if you had COVID, but I know certain men weren't abiding by the laws at that point, but <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much on that. But yeah, um, so obviously I was down and out and I was quite gutted because obviously we'd all put in a lot of time and effort and I felt like, um, I'd kind of let everyone down, even though it wasn't my fault that I caught COVID. Um, it just happened. Fortunately enough, um, it was my, so the festival is at the start of September. My birthday is on the 1st of October. So this was 2021. So once I recovered, I was like, you know what? Like, we're going to do the same set um, and I'm going to put on a show for my birthday and I'm going to invite, like, anyone and everyone that I know. So, um yeah, like I sent out the invites to literally like, I had like my primary school friends, secondary school, uni, family, friends, and like people that they knew as well. Um, sent it out to bear people. And everyone just came through. Like um, I had, uh, yeah, as I said, I had Dave Creates and RJ um, as support acts for the gig. And that was really special for me because when I started out like my musical journey, as TSK, um, those two guys were both people who really supported and championed me, like in those early stages, like they really like encouraged me to like keep at it and stick at it. So having those two open up for me on the night um, was quite monumental, to be honest, uh, the fact that there's actually like a personal relationship um, that I had with the two of them. Because there, there were other people that I shouted, other artists that I rate, and um that i love um but for one reason or another it just didn't really work out that way um but i think god knew what he was doing in having those two be the ones that were available on the night because of the fact that um they had played such a key part in my musical journey uh so obviously they bodied their sets like they both killed it um we performed for an hour like everyone loved it and I think what was really special was the fact that everyone, like I had people from literally so many different areas of my life. Um, and obviously like loads of these people hadn't met each other. Um, but I had so many people on the night come up to me and say like, wow, Tendo, like your friends are so nice. Like, And for me, that was just so special because it, I felt so blessed to have been around so many people um, that had such a positive influence on my life and the fact that like on the night like there wasn't any hint of like negativity like everyone absolutely loved it and had such a great time and it was such a wholesome evening um yeah like it was it was really really special so um i guess after that the next thing on the timeline was um passing my driving test this one was really something because I had taken my test um let's say I I I taken my test three times whilst I was in school. Um I was around like eighteen, nineteen at this point. And I guess because of COVID I had 
like I, I had the I had the test booked for April 2022, um, but I had booked it back in like November um, the previous year because COVID had meant there was such a backlog in terms of driving tests and, and lessons and all that sort of stuff. Um, so in, like previously when I was doing uh, my test back when I was like 18, 19, um, if I wanted to book a test for like next week, like I'd be able to do that comfortably. But now it's like if you wanted to book a test, like the earliest you could find would be like maybe like three months time. That's if you're lucky. Um, and I was even like, at one point I was even considering going to like, doing my test in like the Midlands or somewhere, bearing in mind that I live in London. Um, so that's that's how steep it got. But anyway, I managed to book a test in my area. I uh, found an instructor and me and my instructor, we just didn't get along, to, to be honest with you. Um, I really struggled working with him because it just felt like every mistake that I made, it was almost as though it was, he would respond as if it was like a personal attack, like that I wasn't, that I was intentionally going out of my way to not listen to him and that he was getting frustrated because I wasn't listening to him. And that just was a lot for me to deal with because he was very aggressive in terms of how he'd give his instructions and forceful, like, and he he just, he was just like quite rude and dismissive, like just the way that he would communicate, like, if I made a mistake, he would be like, oh, why did you do that? Like, why, why? And you can imagine, like, obviously, like, I'm trying to learn how to how to drive and I want to pass my test. And it's not, like, it's not nice if you've got someone who's meant to be your instructor, who's meant to be teaching you, and it's just, like, degrading you and belittling you. Um, it, was, it was a really weird dynamic, to be honest. I mean, he didn't like me for sure. Like, there was one lesson where he, like, at the end, he was just like, I don't even know if I want to keep teaching you. And I was just there, like, bruv, like, if there's anything that ever tested my patience, it was those lessons because the amount of times I wanted to lash out at him, but I just had to say, you know what, like, God has given me self-control, plus I need to be able to pass this test. And at that point, like, even finding instructors was it was a difficult one. Um, so he, the fact that I was able to land him, like, I was lucky enough. Um, and because I'd already done, like, quite a few lessons with him, I didn't want to now begin starting again with someone else. And then I've got my test, it's like a month away and having to start with a new instructor. Like, it was, it would have complicated things. So I just knew I just had to stick it out. Anyway, um... There had been like, yeah, like he had been stressing me out and there had been several points where like I actually came back home and like, like I'd just go and cry in my room because like it it was just, it was too much for me to be honest. But when like I reflect on that time, like me going back to my room and like getting upset in the way that I would, I don't think it was necessarily reflective of the fact that um, I had like an awful lesson I think it was more so the fact that particularly during that point at that point in time it was like January, February, March um, there was a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself and I felt like I had to bear um, mostly related to my future and what my plans were after graduating from uni so when January 2022 came round I knew that um, I had three months until my degree was finished and I knew that I wanted to propose to my girlfriend. Um, 
shortly after finishing my degree now in at that point in time the story that i was telling myself was that um before i can even consider approaching her parents and asking for their hand in marriage i would need to have passed my driving test completed my degree and had a job to start later in the year in 2022 those were three things that i had really told myself that that was a minimum and i couldn't i couldn't even approach her parents before that so when like the driving lessons were becoming really stressful i think like in my head like it was disrupting this plan in which i thought like the only way this is going to happen is if like i'm successful in this and so um yeah i think a lot of that was related to the pressure that i was putting on myself then so yeah i was still able to pass my test but i think um even though I was able to pass, like that pressure was still affecting me in ways that I can only recognize now, like looking back on it now that all this stuff has happened. Um, so I guess after that, oh yeah, I remember my driving test, like I had the most wonderful lady like sat in the car with me, like she was literally giving me step-by-step guidance with every single instruction she was giving me. So that was fun, that was nice, especially because like, the lessons had been so stressful yeah so i guess after that um it came round to me launching my book in april and that was such a fun experience because i was able to launch it here in london um and then i flew out to uganda in kampala and also did another launch there and yeah like what can I say about that I think there was a real significant moment in the London launch where my dad had asked me if like we had we had a Q&A moment and my dad had asked me if there had been any times in my life where I'd seen moments where they as my parents felt like they weren't good enough um I didn't even say the title of the book The the book is called you are good enough don't doubt who God has called you to be. So my dad asked this question, like, was there, have there been any times, like, whilst we raised you, that you saw us um, basically, like, have moments of insecurity where we felt like we weren't good enough? Um, and here's a clip to kind of show how it went down. Got time for about two more questions. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's my dad for anyone that's in there. <laughs> Yes, this is your dad. <laughs> so, um, we've had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've obviously, with your mum, raised you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of who you are, we have instilled in you. Mm. Until it got to a point where you went into your own orbit and created who you are. Um, but the conversation we've had is that um, you seem to be doing what took me 10 years to do in five. Yeah. I did albums, you've done an album. (laughs) I did music, you've done your singles. I did my book, you've done your book. 
and I told you to slow down. <laughs> because you were pushing me, because I knew. <laughs> I now had to go to another level, because you were catching up real fast. So, um, I'm proud of you, first of all. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in... In the journey in which I've tried to, with your mom, be your heroes mm. in the home, mm. you've now come, back, come up with this book about uh, being good enough. Mm. Um, so my question is, uh, behind the mask of trying to be a good dad and mom, uh, have we exposed our frailties to you, our weaknesses to you in any way mm. to show you that actually maybe at one point we didn't feel that we were good enough at anything in your journey as our child mm. and somehow things have turned out that actually against all odds it seems as though we were potentially good enough. Mm. Is there something that you've seen that perhaps is an unsaid story? This is your turn to <laughs> So is, is your question like, is there anything that you guys have done to make me feel like I'm not good enough? No. Is there anything that you have seen in us yeah. in which we thought we were not good enough? Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, but it's like... <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because there, there was just there was just there, there was yes. one there was one story. There, Tread there was very carefully. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. It's there. Was, there was one story that literally just jumped to my head straight away. Okay. And okay. um, and again, I, I think like the nature of just like parent-child relationships. Like as a child, you're a child, so you're you're not paying attention to the world around you. You're only concerned with what is going on in your life, your brain is still developing, so there's some things that you can't necessarily fathom mm. in a way that a fully grown adult mind would be able to, to comprehend. Mm. And I think I remember, so like, firstly, it's like, so you guys, when did you, you got, mum, you guys got married when like mum was 20, you guys, mum was my age, mum was 20, mum was 23, you were 27, mm -hmm. I'm 24 now, so like, I remember like when I was like growing into these ages, I was like, oh, rah, um, this is when my parents got married, and what would it look like if I got married now? <laughs> um, when, you know, you came to the country when you were 19, mm. um, you fled a, a war-torn country, came here, 50 pounds mm -hmm. in your wallet, and you said go. Yeah. And when I was 19, I did, there's no way that I would have had the capacity to, to, to venture out on something like that. Mm. So it's like realizing that when you reach these landmarks that your parents have been through mm. and um, trying to compare like their experiences to yours. It puts a lot into perspective. Mm. But I think one of the things for me, to answer your question directly, the story that came up, mm. um, you guys said you wanted to send me to Whitgift mm. um, from pretty much like when I was born, like you knew that that was the school you wanted to send me to. And you put me on a pathway that would help me to get to that place. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember you telling me about how you had actually gone to see the school, yeah. probably about like five or six years before I'd, I joined. Yeah. And I joined when I was 10. Yeah. 
Um, and like the first time that we went, obviously I thought it was the first time that mm. we were all going together and like I was like, wow, cool, like this amazing institution. Mm -hmm. But I remember, and because I had been, I was in the school at that point, so you know like the culture, you understand like, I guess like most private schools, it's like this, a similar group of people in society. So um, you told me about how you turned up to the open day in yeah. your suit, dressed in my suit, <laughs> in your suit, like full on tie. Yes. And then you got there and you saw guys in shorts. Because I didn't feel. <laughs> yes. I and like in, I was insecure. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And for me, that story was really deep. Not only because I, th I think mainly because like I was just imagining you, like my dad, this person that I look up to, and like you're in. This school that I'm in now, I'm very comfortable in the environment, but like yeah. in a place that like I'm very comfortable in, for you to step into, it required a lot of vulnerability and yes. for you to embrace a lot of your insecurities. Yeah. And I think that's why I really do value like what you and mom have done in my life because awesome. literally because of that, like the, where I get to walk in comfort, you guys had to walk in, in, mm -hmm. in you had to tiptoe through. Yes, and yes. So, okay. Um, yes, I, th I think it, I think it all comes down to that. Yes, and we didn't feel like we were good enough in that environment. Yeah, and so when I see your book, and I've chosen not to read the book until after today, mm. uh, because the title for me speaks a, a story mm. where I feel I we walked you into an environment where we felt that we were not good enough in terms of. Um, affording to put you and your sisters mm. through private schools uh, based on the background and the upbringing that we had. But now look at you. Look at you and sat there with this audience. When you walked out of Loughborough University, you say that you failed an exam, but I told you that um, if you had to go through that experience to experience what it means to fall and then get up on your feet again, that was more than a degree. Mm. Was worth a lot more than a degree. If that's what you went to Loughborough to do, you qualified in our eyes. You were good enough. Ugh, why is yeah. this so emotional, man? <laughs> and the crowd that's here is a representation. You've, you've drawn in people from Loughborough. You've brought, drawn in people from different communities, people that I couldn't draw. You thought you were writing a book it was not just for you. You thought you were walking a journey. It was not just for you. But the people you have met, the experience that you are going through right now is just a testimony, not just to yourself, but to everyone 
that's here in this place that somewhere, somehow inside of each one of us, there's something that says we are good enough. We are. So sometimes only time tells the story. Um, we think we're making choices. All it was was a checkbox. I mean, he had to go through a reinvention path multiple times, even in Whitgift when he did his AS levels. And they said, you're not good enough for the A levels. He went through a path of reinvention to do a BTEC. But in doing that, he still came out with flying colors, esters. And because of those results, he was offered to go into Loughborough University. He was good enough. And maybe sometime in the future, I believe that we will be having this story with your children and your children's children saying that the only reason that God took him through this experience was to help him meet the relationships that he made along the journey. He didn't trip into any position that he went into. He didn't trip into Loughborough. There was a bigger story that was bigger than him that spelled who comes after him. So once it's all said and done, you, you, you done great. I'm looking forward to reading that book. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, man. Listening back to that is just... Yeah, that, that was a special moment for sure. And I think it really did sum up the night and... Yeah, um, I think it was, it was, that moment was particularly special for me because I think um, I can be quite hard on myself sometimes and I guess just hearing that from my dad in that moment and it being in front of others was particularly profound because I guess for a while it had been others that I had been trying to impress and to like show my worth to um and so obviously I know that I don't need the affirmation from other people to validate the things that I do but I think like just hearing that from my dad in front of others in front of these other people that I've been not not that the people there were the people that I've been trying to impress but I think I don't know it just felt listening back like it just feels quite symbolic like I don't need like hearing it from the person that raised me hearing him affirm me in, in front of these other people, it's almost like saying like, you don't need to worry about what other people may think. Like God has placed you 
God has placed me in your life for this reason. And like, even though there are others here, like just listen to what I'm saying. You are good enough. And yeah, man, it was special. And I think as well, like I remember talking with some of my other friends and from their perspective, like in the crowd, they were really moved by the fact that um, by by how affirming my dad was like in that moment. Um, unfortunately, like within the black community, like there aren't many families who have father figures that um, are present in the lives of their children. And so um, I've been fortunate enough to grow up with my dad and um for them even just seeing that like a a black family um with their father who is present and 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 that affirms their children in the way that he does um it was a special moment man but yeah this is let's let's get back into the rest of the episode anyway yeah so for me the london launch was a very exciting experience Um, I was able to launch the book in front of my friends and family but travelling to Uganda and launching the book in Kampala felt like an experience that had a different depth to that of London Um, I remember in the build up my parents kept saying that um, or they kept emphasising the fact that like I would be speaking to three different generations at the event so my grandparents generation my parents generation and my generation um, we did several radio shows um, to promote it, and I guess when it came to the day, like I remember feeling like quite disappointed because, like, my mum had like a strong part in the planning of the Uganda event, and so when it came to the day, like a, a lot of like her friends were there, and so like when they arrived it was like everyone was like really happy to see my mum and then like I was like the little accent well I wasn't actually but I think in the moment it's if it kind of felt like I was like the accessory and then like they were just there to have their own like reunion or whatever but I remember like I was like in that in that moment I was like no like I'm not gonna be spoiled here and like going a little tantrum because like no one is because I feel like the attention isn't on me because like that's just not that's not the one (laughs) like I'm not trying to be like some spoiled kid so I remember just going to the toilet and saying like I remember just praying and being like God you know what like just help me to focus on what you want this event to be and not what I want it to be because the London launch I really enjoyed because like I was very like I planned the whole thing alongside, um, well, my now fiance and another friend of mine. And um, it was, yeah, like we all planned it together. And so like we eat, we all had a good hand in terms of like how that event was going to run. Like I knew what was next and what was going to be happening. Whereas my mum pretty much like controlled the whole thing in Uganda. She was like, you know what, like Tender, this is Uganda. Like you can't do things how you do things in London. Like <laughs> it's a completely different cultures. And I was like, you know what, fair enough. So I kind of left it in her hands. But yeah, like I was in the bathroom and I was just like, you know what, like, Lord, like, just help me to not make this about myself. And I think like once I left, um, 
in that toilet like i felt like god was kind of saying to me like this is bigger than you like this isn't just about you and i was like okay cool even though i may not get it now i understand that and i understand how you work and how you like to reveal things in our lives so like let me just trust that your way is better than whatever way i would have intended it to go so i was cool cool done the event boom 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 calm 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 so going back to these thoughts and feelings that i had about um the next stages of life that i wanted to enter into in terms of like getting engaged and then getting married so i wanted to be very open with my family out there about like these next steps that i wanted to take just so like um i wanted to honor them like in this decision and also just like ensure that it wasn't the decision that i made in isolation um because yeah like when you propose to someone like choosing who you want to marry it's not something i don't think anyone would want to and i'd strongly advise um whoever wants to do that not taking it lightly so i really did want to be open in terms of like where i was at and just communicating with like the people that had raised me and were important to me about like what i'm trying to do and i remember talking to one of my aunties and expressing the fact that i had so at that point i had the ring like everything was set like i knew that i wanted to propose i was done with uni now at this point waiting on my grades um but i didn't have the job and that was obviously going back to the checklist that i mentioned i was like how can i like I, i was really worried about going up to her parents and asking for her hand in marriage without me having a job like i didn't want to go there and embarrass myself i i knew that i wanted to propose i knew that i want that she was the person that i wanted to be with but the only thing that i didn't have confidence in myself was the fact that i didn't have a job um and i guess it's because it's like ultimately like if we're looking at things from a practical level um yeah we can love each other and and that's great but like one also needs to be able to put food on the table and especially because me being a man there's also that um responsibility that i feel like i also need to hold in terms of being able to ensure that i'm able to look after um someone's daughter ultimately um and i didn't want to be irresponsible in that sort of sense like i i, I wanted to look at things um also from a from a from a practical level i didn't want to ignore the practicalities that come with making these types of decisions so it was something that was really really concerning me at the time and i just didn't want to go over to her parents and embarrass myself um which to be honest even saying that now i'm kind of like to what extent does like my own pride play too much of a part here where i'm like overly concerned about how someone else may perceive me um it's a food for thought there i can't answer that question definitively but yeah um both my auntie and my uncle i remember them saying to me like look like obviously in order to get married like you will need a job you're gonna need to if if you want to get married and live together 
um, you're going to need to to have money to be able to do that. However, um, it can't be a prerequisite because you can get married and lose the job. That doesn't mean that you're like you're still going to be married. Like if you get married and lose the job, then what? Like you're going to have to figure it out. So I think just more from like a principal point of view, like. I don't think like, I think what they're trying to tell me is like principally like you're, you're not really setting the right foundation. Um, ultimately, like God has to be the one that you trust in all of this because he's the one that will provide your needs for whatever it is um, that he feels is right for you. So, um, yeah, like that was that was a really big turning point for me. And even though like, saying it now like one could probably like I probably like one could probably think that like I would have been able to come to that conclusion myself but I think where my mind was so caught up in ensuring that like I had all my ducks aligned before I made this big decision I think like my mind was just really clouded and I just wasn't able to process things in that way um and even though I'd I'd, I'd spoken to, to like another um, some of my other friends about the same thing and they'd given similar sort of advice but I think I just needed it to to sink in even deeper um, and because I'd gone to Uganda with my dad as well um, it also like was just like a really good opportunity for me to just like sit with him and just talk about things on a level like on a man-to-man level about being a man um, that is married or that is wanting to get married and raising a family and even like I'm sure there are many people that can relate to this like being someone who has heritage that isn't from the UK so my mic actually cut out at this point but I then went on to talk about the value of knowing your cultural heritage and how to stay connected to where you and your family have come from especially where like you live in the diaspora and um it can be quite easy to just become very westernized and like not really be in touch with um where your family's come from so here's a little history lesson or here's a little cultural lesson rather so like in uganda um the way the culture is you have you have your tribes and then within your tribes you have different clans and so if you are a woman obviously once you get married then you become part of your husband's clan um and the children that you have would be part would be part of um the husband's clan their father's clan so out of like um my granddad's um children and grandchildren like i am the oldest grandson from his clan i have an older grand i have an older cousin um but um his mum is um part of a different clan so therefore he's not the same clan as my grandfather so like in terms of my position in the family like i am the eldest ultimately cut a long story short and so even like I was able to have like discussions about like what that would mean and like yeah like it was it was it was a really good time and I think it just helped me to put in 
put myself in a good headspace where I was able to come back um, to England um, much more confident about like the steps that I wanted to take for the future. And even though I didn't have a job at that point, like I felt like I was in a better position to just be able to trust that like God would provide. Like I had other friends um, who had gotten married and like their circumstances were very different. Um, and not that like I was um, definitely wasn't envious of like what what they had, but I think like I was I was almost looking for God to meet my needs in the same way that He had met theirs, and I just came to understand that no, nah, like God gave them, they have what they have because God gave it to them, and He was able to meet their needs in the way that he saw best fit for them and god also knows me he knows who i am and he will meet my needs um in the way that he sees best for me so i, I was just able to come home just trusting that and then yeah i think from about a week later literally like a week after getting back i think i had messaged Bumi's parents um, then I saw them the following week um, to ask um, for their blessing and they were very cool like they were like yeah like really um, encouraging and supportive they were like yeah like <laughs> they were like yeah obviously like we saw it coming like um, and yeah they were in like full support of like us going f forward and, and making that taking that step together um when it came to the proposal now, I knew that um, I definitely wanted like Bumi's family, Bumi's cousins, my cousins and our closest friends there. And particularly because I really admire like the community that like my parents' generation have in terms of like, the relationships that they have with like their siblings and in-laws and I feel like I've seen that in many um, other African families as well and so a lot of that I think is like a fruit of like what the culture is like back home in, in many different places is very much like it takes a village to raise a child type of thing whereas like when you come here in England um, I think the culture can be much more stingy um, and so like with me wanting to have like our family and closest friends there it was the decision that I wanted to make to almost try and like create that same sort of community feel of like we are now family and like we're all going to be in each other's lives and try to help support each other and, and continue to build relationships with each other um, in whatever we can and okay so when I was initially recording this um, I was like oh like do I really want to go like that personal? But bun it, I'm going there anyway. The real reason why I wanted to have um, our cousins and not so much our, like our friend. Our, I knew like if in any sort of circumstance, our close friends would have been there. But I was really intentional with the move of having our cousins there at the proposal, particularly because of the position that both Bumi and I hold in our families. And I guess whether 
like our younger cousins and siblings would like to admit it or not. Um, they do look up to us as their older cousins and brother or sister or whatever. And I just knew that through them, like physically with their own eyes, like seeing us take that step together, like seeing me literally go down on one knee and, and seeing Bumi say yes. Like I knew that it would sow a seed in some way, shape or form. And I think marriage is a good thing. Like it's something that God has blessed us with um, companionship in the, and union in the way that he has ordained it. And you never know like what it can do to someone like, in terms of them just being able to see love portrayed in that way. And like, I think another one of the reasons why I wanted to do it in that way was because I remember, hopefully my mum doesn't mind me saying it, but like my mum, her upbringing in terms of what her granddad, sorry, what her dad was like. So my granddad, um, basically he was a bit of a player, long story short. Sorry, Jaja, I love you. <laughs> um, but like, obviously, on a more serious note, like that did cause a lot of um, insecurity, I guess, in like her life and, you know, some of her siblings regarding like his behaviour and how he conducted himself. And I remember my mum telling me um, that she had been to, although like, her parents' relationship was the way it was at one stage in her life. And might I add, um, the relationship that my grandparents have now um, is in a far, far better place than what it was. Like, um, my granddad was able to acknowledge um, the detrimental impact that his decisions were having like, on his children and his family. And he did, like, formally apologise to not only his children, but even his grandchildren. Um, he got, he literally got us all together. I would have been like 10 at the time. And like, that was a real restorative process during that time. But there definitely was a point where like, my mum's prayer was, she desired to get married for sure, but she didn't want to marry someone like her dad. So that's the place um, that um, she had come from. And it was, the only reason why she knew that marriage is something that could breed um, so much love and joy um, was because of the example that she'd seen in her auntie and uncle. Seeing the love that was portrayed um, and shown between the two of them really did inspire her. And so that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to have our family there, not because um, they lack examples of um like positive examples of, of love like in their lives but i think it's different when you see like your own peers really like taking that next step um is much more closer to home so yeah that was one of the main reasons why and also because um you know our parents aren't going to be around forever and um it was just another thing i wanted to do to kind of help us all get to know each other and build the community um, that we can one day have in the future where we can all look out and be there for each other. So, 
yeah, that's going to be enough for me. Let's get back into the episode. I won't interrupt again. <laughs> so yeah, the proposal was great. Um, Bill me thought it was my sister's birthday. Um, she came and she was completely surprised that like, her sister opened the door. Um, and as soon as she saw that, like she, she obviously knew what was up. And it was such a beautiful time, obviously. We're now engaged and whatnot. Um, I think shortly after that, or maybe shortly before, was it shortly after? Um, I found out that I was going to be graduating from uni with a first class degree in social work, which was just a crazy time. Or it was such a it was such a blessing because my uni journey hadn't been it wasn't linear. Like I had friends who went to uni, did their three years, boom bam, and then they were done had no worries had no struggles going oh no not that they didn't have any struggles but like they just were able to just smash through like their academic years in terms of passing their GCSEs passing their A-levels doing uni and then going into employment but like that wasn't my story and I think when it came to my academics for a while I had been fighting to kind of be in those spaces or institutions that are other people would deem as credible and to be honest I guess like this this whole thing of like what others deem as credible like it's been like a consistent thing that has shown up in like many different areas of my life and I think it's something that I've even talking about it now I've had to recognize to not let it debilitate the things that I do um because it really can um so I had gone, I'd started studying um, at Loughborough University. I was doing economics. Um, that didn't work out. And so I ended up going to the University of East London. But for a while, like, I was really resentful of the fact that, like, I wasn't able to graduate from, like, a high-ranking university in the country. But I was able to finish with a first. And, like, what that experience taught me, one, like, I was able to do that degrees without any stress to be honest like it was probably probably one like it wasn't it was it i did not find it difficult to to say that in the most humble way um maybe it was reflective of the fact that like i went of the uni that i went to but regardless of that the experience taught me that it's okay to find your lane and strive in it because I'd been fighting for so long to be in a lane that like everyone else that I saw everyone else in and really fight my way through it and then get to the end and say yeah like I was able to do what you did even though you didn't think that I was able to do it when really there's a lane for me just two steps to the left and I can stroll through it and get the highest mark and get get have the best performance um and that's what my experience at UEL was. And I think like, yeah, like it, it really has taught me to be okay with being in your lane and striving in it. You don't, you don't need to be doing things in the same way that other people are doing. Because we all have different skill sets. Um, if I was to do one thing and someone else was to do the same thing, like we'd probably execute it in completely different ways and get completely different results. But ultimately I think it's like you got to ask yourself like, 
what am I trying to do and where am I trying to go with it? Um, during my time at UEL, there was so much that I was able to do. Like I wrote my book during my time at uni. I put out an album. Um, I did podcasts. I never would have been able to do do those things if I was at another university that demanded more of me. Um, so, yeah, like that that was like a big, big lesson for me. And I'm grateful, like even just looking at my certificate and seeing my full name um, and then first class honours underneath it, like I can only thank God. So yeah man like it's it's been an amazing year um i am grateful for all that has happened and all that i've been able to learn the highs and the lows and yeah like if you're listening i would just want to say keep going keep going whatever it is that you're doing like you don't know what is on the other side you don't know what there is for you to learn from what you're experiencing what opportunities there are for you to grow and even though sometimes it can be quite difficult to persevere in moments where we're struggling there's always joy on the other side and yeah i hope if like from what i've been able to share and and say i hope that even if it's just to listen and just celebrate and i think like like you know like when i hear other people share their stories and and think and great things that they've been through like even if it's just to put a smile like on my face and take my mind off of whatever it is that may be trying to distract me or make me think any less of myself or otherwise like yeah let let it be that let it be let it be whatever it is to you um but yeah i'm gonna sign out i hope i've spoken about everything that's mostly been what's happened this year um oh yeah and i got a job i got a job as a social worker so (laughs) i got the job in the end (laughs) about two weeks after the proposal so yeah man (laughs) it came full circle but yeah thank you for tuning in hope you enjoyed hope you listened maybe i'll be back doing more podcast episodes we'll see um but as for now peace love rubber gloves you're done now